Our Bible reading this morning is taken from that passage that was referred to on the DVD, (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 29. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the artisans, had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisar, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. Then you will call on upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. I just want to go home. If you've got one of your children with you, and that's what they're saying, you know that they are very unhappy, and you know that you are in trouble. If you're a long way from home, it's going to be a long day if all they want to do is be back at home again. Because if home is the one place they want to be, then nowhere else is quite going to be good enough. It's hard. And sometimes we as adults can feel that way as well. And if we feel, I just want to go home, then we know that we are in an emotionally fragile state. We're not in a good place. And it may not be not in a good place geographically, it may be that we're not in a good place emotionally or mentally. 
And if mentally and emotionally we're not in a good place, then we are unlikely to be unhappy anywhere outside of the comfort zone of our own home, wherever it is that we feel safe and loved and secure. But what if you just want to go home and for whatever reason you just can't? Home isn't there, perhaps, or it's just inaccessible, or you're stuck where you are. In that case, you're going to get homesick in a big way. The term homesickness was developed in the 17th century, apparently, to describe the feelings experienced by Swiss mercenaries who are fighting wars in Europe, but really just wanted to be at home with their families where it was safe. They weren't allowed to sing Swiss songs in case they were overwhelmed and incapacitated by a sense of nostalgia. Clearly, if you're underperforming on the battlefield because you just want to be home, then that can be fatal. But the condition itself was perceived as being so serious that people thought you could die from homesickness. That's how seriously people treated it. These days, we understand the effects of homesickness more clearly. It can result in depression, social withdrawal, sleep disruption, nightmares, concentration problems. It's not an issue to be dismissed. as That's something that children just suffer from. Anybody can suffer from homesickness. Students off to university, perhaps for the first time, are prime candidates these days for suffering from homesickness. But it can affect anyone. And the results can be debilitating. The people of Israel in exile in Babylon were homesick. They were hundreds of miles from home. They'd been forcibly uprooted from their country, their city, their jobs, made to walk hundreds of miles to Babylon. These were the brightest, the best, the cleverest, the leaders of the communities that they came from. They formed the backbone of Israelite society. They'd been the hard workers. They were the ones who occupied positions of importance and significance in society when they were home. In Babylon, they were nobodies. That was part of the policy. You take anyone with leadership, potential or ability, and you send them far away to a place where they have to start again from scratch with nothing. Stripped of all status and security, left demoralised and defeated. Such was the position of the first wave of exiles who were sent away. All the nobodies, all the unskilled people, all the people who hadn't formed part of society, they were the ones left behind. The first wave of exiles were the people who really made Israelite society tick. And they'd been taken away and deposited somewhere where they didn't belong and where they felt worthless. And they just wanted to go home. They just wanted everything to be all right again. So they clung to the empty promises of those prophets who were telling them, no, this isn't going to last very long. God's going to sort it all out. This is just a temporary setback. Soon you'll be home in no time at all. There was no shortage of people ready to offer them the false hope by telling them exactly what they wanted to hear. It'll all be over soon. You wait and see. God will sort it out. It's all going to be all right. Some of us as parents might have told white lies to our children along those lines. We'll be home soon. Just wait and see. 
And then what everybody who suffers from homesickness wants most of all, a letter comes. Ah, fantastic news from home. What's happening there? How are the people we left behind? How are they managing? What's going on? Are people missing us as much as we're missing them? People hungry and desperate for information. But it's a letter from Jeremiah. What's the news from home? He doesn't tell him anything. Is it good news? No. Typical of Jeremiah. No one ever liked what he had to say. And the letter was no exception. Not only was there no information about the place they left behind or the people they left behind, Jeremiah says, look, you're not going home. Not for the foreseeable future. At least none of the people listening to his letter would be going home again. Seventy years. That's how long you're going to be here. Your lifetime, your children's lifetime, your grandchildren will be alive by the time God says it's time to go home again. So Jeremiah says, look, make the best of a bad job. You're going to be here for the long haul. So put down roots, because it's not going to be a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a few years. It's going to be a few decades. So build houses, settle down. Plant gardens, you'll have plenty of time to watch the stuff you plant grow and eat its fruit. Get married, have children, watch them grow up and get married, see your grandchildren. This is no short trip abroad. Going to be in exile for three generations. You can imagine the sinking feeling they had as they listened to Jeremiah's words. But there's hope as well, of a sort. Jeremiah's letter makes it clear that this is not a punitive measure, just a punitive measure. God is not just being vindictive here. I have plans for you, God says. You, the people in exile in Babylon, you will be the seeds from which I will start again and rebuild the nation. You will be the future people who honour me and stay true to me. People in Jerusalem, they're finished. They're doomed. There's no point in going back to them. I'm going to begin again with you. And in their time in exile, they would learn to relate to God in a whole new way. There are good reasons to suppose that substantial chunks of the Old Testament were written and edited during this period in exile by the exiles. It was crucial in developing their understanding of who God was and how God worked. It would be formative for Israel's relationship with the Lord. And God wanted them to reach the point, not where they were seeking him just so he would do what they wanted and send them home again. No, God wanted them right there so that they would learn in exile to seek him with all their heart. Oh, so find the resources they needed to stay. Neil Hudson on the video talks about, oh, if only this, that or the other were different. But the trouble is we remain the same people wherever we are, whatever our situation. And God didn't want to change their situation. He wanted to change them. And they would stay there until that change had happened. God wants us to seek him and to know him where we are right now. 
Because if he just picks us up as we are and puts us somewhere else, we'll still say the same people, with the same issues, the same problems, the same difficulties. Find him where you are. Let him work in your situation now. And when the time is right, when you've changed, you may be ready to move on to somewhere else. Listen, God says, I've got plans for you. Plans to give you a future and a hope, but it's not the future or the hope that you want to in the short term, because God always works for the long term. But in the short term, life is going to be worth living right where you are. But you need to let go of the past. Let go of the homesickness. Learn to find me, rely on me, pray to me in exile. My ears are going to be open to your prayers, but I don't want you praying all the time, please, Lord, let us just go back home, because that isn't going to happen. Seek me with all your heart, and right where you are right now, I will be found by you. And if I'm with you, that will enable you to live a different way in the same place. And what's more, God says, look, I want you to pray for the welfare, the prosperity, the well-being, the peace of the city where I have sent you. Because your peace, your well-being, your prosperity is dependent on and inextricably tied to the well-being of the place where I've put you. I'm going to bless you, I'm going to give you my peace and my wholeness, but that peace and that wholeness are going to come to you through your engagement with the city of Babylon. Because that's where you're going to live and work for the next 70 years. And I'm not going to bless you in isolation from that place, I'm going to bless you in your interaction with that place. And as you are a blessing to the place where I've put you, you will find my blessing coming in to your lives. The exiles were faced with an acute challenge in Babylon. How were they, as those who had been vanquished, going to relate to the city and culture of their conquerors and captors? There were all sorts of pressures on them. They could withdraw into their own hermetically sealed districts and and cut themselves off from everything else by living in a kind of ghetto. They could spend their time pining for the homeland they'd left behind. They could just forget their past and amalgamate into their new surroundings and lose their national identity altogether, just become Babylonians themselves to all intents and purposes. Or they could cling to their faith and remain hostile and rebellious, nursing their anger and hating every moment they were there and everyone they met. But God calls them to go down none of these roads. They are to stay true to him, They are to retain their own identity, they are to let go of the past, and they are to engage with the culture and the society and the city where they live. As long as they are there, God took them there, and in his time he would bring them back again, but as long as they were there in Babylon, Babylon was to be their home. And as long as it was to be their home, they were to seek the welfare of that city. God says, you are to be a channel of my grace, my blessing, and my peace into the place where you live. And as you live and work that way, you will find my grace and my blessing and my peace in your own life. 
because God's peace was to come to them through their engagement with the place where they lived. They cut themselves off from society if they just withdrew into a holy huddle, if they refused to have any contact with the outside world, if they turned in on themselves, they would not have God's peace. But if they lived as God's people for God, in the place where God had put them, and if they rolled up their sleeves and got involved, and they invested in the city where they lived, then through that engagement with their neighbours and their colleagues and the people who would eventually become their friends, they would give and receive peace. Even though they didn't belong in Babylon, even though it wasn't where they wanted to be, even though it wasn't actually their home, God says, invest in that place. It's where I've put you. It's where I've sent you. It's where I want you to be for the time being. And as you bless them, I will bless you. Those words are relevant to us as a church. Because our role as a church is to engage with the community and the town where we are placed. God doesn't call us to to come together and put up the walls and the barriers and just feel safe and secure in this place and we can worship him and forget about the outside world. That is not our calling. Our calling is to be available, to be engaged, to be outward looking, to play an active part in the town where God has placed us. Because in its peace, we find peace. In its well-being, we find well-being. In its welfare and prosperity, we find our welfare and prosperity. We are to be fundamentally connected in all sorts of ways with the community in which God has placed us. That is our calling. Seek the welfare of the city where I've placed you because in its prosperity and peace will be your prosperity and peace, God says. And to us as individuals as well, Jeremiah's words are relevant as we live our daily lives in Horsham or wherever. Because Christianity is not about going to heaven when we die. It's more than that. Right here, right now, God calls us to live our daily lives for him. That involves seeking, promoting, developing, encouraging the peace, the prosperity, the well-being of this town and all those who live and work here. How are you going to do that this week? Because if the town flourishes, then so do we. You belong to Jesus, you carry his peace in your heart, share it, pass it on. Use the resources you have to enhance the lives of those with whom you live and work because in their peace, it's in their peace that you will find your own peace. For as long as you're here, this is your home. This is where God has put you. This is where God wants you to be. God's desire is that Horsham should be a better place because you live here. What are you going to do to make that happen this week? Some of us work in other parts of the southeast. God's desire is that that should be a better place because you work there. What are you going to do this week to make that happen? Because in the peace of the place where you live, in the peace of the place where you work, you'll find your peace. That's how it works. That's God's plan. That's God's calling. 
That's our challenge. Let's pray. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart, God says. Lord, for those of us who are not in ideal situations, enable us to find your presence with us right here, right now. While we may long for that situation to change, Lord, enable us to find your purpose for us where we are. Show us how we can bring your peace to that place and to find your peace in that place. Lord, be with us and help us to know you and to live for you and to find our security not in our surroundings but in you because you've promised never to leave us, nor to forsake us. There is no place where you are not present. Move us to seek you, and help us to find you, and enable us to live for you, right here, right now. In Jesus' name, amen.